Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, Stephanie Burke. And sitting in with us tonight, we have John Brightman. Science advisor Matt Moniz is off tonight. He's sending to some other business. He had a he had an important conference call tonight. Oh, did he? He did. Okay, then. So a little uh, he's, late. Well, he's going to be involved with the Paroween event coming up in Salem. All right. In October. So everybody that's involved in that, they're having a, a, a planning call tonight. So we had to be on that call. Okay, so then. I figured, you know, we didn't need to keep him here and keep him away from that. So right. Well, we can handle it. be involved in that. And now we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Well, for the most part, this is the time of the year where we're in and out of the spooky studio. You never know if we're going to be here because we have so many things going on. Right. And we have a new event to announce that we will announce in just a few moments. We're also going to recap what happened last week at the shifted event that we had with Bright Star Promotions. And I, I said it last week. I said, you know, there's probably a reason why we had to make this move. There's probably some greater force in the universe that led to us making this move and... The activity that was going on last week certainly verified that. So we'll get into all that coming up in just a few moments. Later on in the program, we'll be joined by our guest tonight. He goes by Dark Waters, and he's very mysterious. We're not going to know his true identity. We're not going to know all that much about him. We'll get some information out of him. But uh, he'll be joining us tonight. He runs the Dark Waters YouTube channel where he shares true-life paranormal stories, but in a, in a campfire ghost story kind of way. So we'll talk with him coming up a little bit later on. And, uh, of course, we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Those are the numbers that you can call in and chime in with whatever is on your mind, paranormally speaking. And, of course, you can also join us in the chat room on YouTube and on SpookySouthCoast.com and with the free Spooky South Coast app. So no matter where you're going, I know this time of year people are busy they're running out doing all kinds of paranormally related things. They're doing ghost hunts. They're doing haunted hay rides. They're doing haunted houses. There, there's so many things going on. This is paranormal Christmas time. And so when they're out there doing all that stuff, they might not be able to catch the show live, so they might want to catch the, the, the podcast later on or the YouTube video later on, which, of course, you can always do that. But even while you're out and about, you can just download the Spooky South Coast app, and you can load it up, and you can... Sneak watch us while you're doing whatever else it is that you're doing. Sneak watch, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's for those people that, you know, want to hide from their significant other and not admit what they're into so they can just watch whenever they want to watch. I'm, uh, there's no <laughs> doubt that there's probably people out there that watch us on the Spooky South Coast app sitting on the on, on the toilet in the bathroom. Oh, I don't doubt it at all. that's where they're, they're, they don't want anybody to know that they're watching it, so that's where they go and do it. And, you know, their significant other wonders, why do you have to take a two-hour dump every Saturday night? <laughs> and that's the reason why. So uh, you can always get the show wherever you are through those various methods. And, of course, uh, next week we won't be here because we'll be at the Lizzie Borden House for our event that we're having there. I don't know if you guys had the chance to catch Kindred Spirits last night. Did you see the of season I two premiere? I, I absolutely did. Of course. And it was uh, it was a very uh, oh, thank very you. intense episode, that's for sure. There was uh, certainly a lot of stuff going on at the Borden House with Amy and Adam and Chip. I don't know that I agree with the findings. Okay. That's, that's fair enough. I will... Reserve. Uh, I'll wait 
to, to really comment on this until I have a chance to talk to Chip one-on-one about it, which is funny because I didn't ask him prior to the show airing, you know, what did you pick up on? Mm-hmm. But I probably could have, and he right. would have told me, but I, I mean, I just didn't because I kind of wanted to just see the episode. And when I watched it the other night, I actually watched it Thursday night, and as I was watching it, I said, okay, this is leading up to pretty much a lot of the same experiences that I've had there. Right. But then at the very end, Chip felt something differently than what I've encountered there. Mm -hmm. So eventually I'll have a chance to talk. Maybe we'll have him come on the show and discuss it, and uh, we can get get into why he felt the way that he didn't. I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to second guess Chip's abilities, but I will say it's quite possible. He was just there one time. Right. It's quite possible he didn't encounter, because I don't encounter what we encounter every single time we go there. Correct. So I'm sure if he had been there as many times as we have been there, right. he would probably feel a little bit differently about uh, what was going I've on. I've been there multiple times, and I don't think I've ever encountered the same thing. And, and I shouldn't I've probably been there five times, and I don't think I've ever encountered the same thing or had things happen every time either. Oh, see, now I have something happen pretty much every time that I go. Yeah, every single time for me, too. But Tim and I have also been in and out of that house for the last 10 yeah. years. So we've had a lot of different experiences in and out of that home. And even at other haunts, we've had experiences with things that link back to that house. Oh, really? So it's, uh, it's an interesting place for us. And I can say I've experienced a lot in that home that was not discussed. Um, but it could be because it, you know, Tim and I might attract it or mm-hmm. it might be interested in us specifically. So who knows? I found it pretty crazy about the door, though. The when she oh, was yeah. sleeping and the door swinging like that. That was creepy. I mean, it definitely the sound that they remade definitely was that door. If it wasn't and, that door, I'm shocked. And that door, see, when I, when, I, when I was watching the episode, Amy mentioned hearing that noise in the room that she was in. I immediately thought that that was the um, sewing machine that's in the next door because that sewing machine, the foot pedal on that, it's one of those old-fashioned okay. table ones, and uh, that foot pedal is known to go off on its own. So when I heard her say that she heard like a like a thumping noise, I thought immediately that that's what it was. But when they went and they recreated the sound with the door, now listen, I've been there a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I've dealt with that door a lot of times because that's one of the rooms that we investigate the most, and that's also the room where the children are said to come out of the closet. And, yes. and you have to leave the closet door open. You, you had to go there with it, John. You have to leave the closet door open just a little bit for the Who children's spirits to him? come out and play. But that door He's to the room does not open and close easily. It, it kind of catches on the rug a little bit. So for something had to have some strength. And we have actually had that door kind of vibrate on us, like shake on right. us in the past. We've also had that one time that Jeff came and really shook it. <laughs> It doesn't seem like it moves easy. No, it does not. It doesn't. So that was pretty interesting. I will say this, too. I've seen the Haunted Towns episode that's going to air on uh, September 26th from the Lizzie Borden house and Uh from Fall River. And I will say, without giving too much away, they are looking for the dark entity. They're looking for the dark thing. Are they? And So it might contradict a little bit? It will, because I think that the dark thing kind of came to play. For those guys. I know I've had personal experience, uh, personal discussions with the guys about that specific entity, and they let on to me that they think that they had some type of experience with it. So I was interested to hear it just because we've experienced it ourselves. And it's nice when somebody else comes from outside of the area and experiences it as well because it kind of validates your feelings a little bit. Right. So. Makes sense. 
had a lot of the same um, experiences that we've had there. So uh, I will just give that little tease out for that, that you will see that on September 26th. Uh, And again, Kindred Spirits, it looks phenomenal. I mean, they've really upped the ante from the first season, which was already great. And uh, and I think that this episode of Haunted Towns that takes place there also takes a real darker turn uh, compared to some of the other things that we've seen. So we're looking forward to uh, to seeing people's reactions to that. We do have a call on the line, so let's take that really fast. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Great. How are you? We are spooktacular. What's, what's on your mind? So there was this spooky camping trip I took. And, um... We were sitting by the campfire, and then in the woods, I saw, sorry, this is hard for me, I saw, hmm? I swore I saw Danny DeVito. Okay, well, it sounds like you're a little bit overcome with uh, with emotion there, but Matt, Matt you, 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 look, you have a look on your face like you... Uh, it reminds me of the last call. Yeah. So which one? Yeah, the uh, the prankers are back. No, well that's fine. I have the caller ID up, so. Perfect. I will. I'll be more than happy to give somebody's phone number away. Uh, Sweet. We will certainly do that. We've got the spooky South Coast fans out there. Tonight. Let me know. I'll prank them during the show. They're willing to make. I'll a prank them calls. back. Right. All right, well, why don't we get into the week and weird with Ashley, and then when we come back on the other side, we'll talk about what happened last week in Winchenden, and we'll also let you know about a new event that just went up for sale tonight, and already people are, are flipping out about this event. People are already making plans, taking days off, putting in vacation time, so we'll tell you about all that coming up. But let me just bring up Ashley here, and we still need Matt. we got to come in early some week and make... If only I worked at the radio station all the time and could just do things. But we need to make Ashley a nice weak and weird intro. Uh, are you with us, Ashley? You there? Um, hold on. We just had her. Nope, she's there. Oh. Now she can hear us. <laughs> Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, well, we're spectacular. So, uh, have you got some good story? We you had last week off, so. Uh, I know that there's been some some strange news that has come out there. I'm sure you have some good stories for us this week. I do. And one of them is not that crank call, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I thought it was just Cody doing one of his voices. No? I told him not to do that. All right. so, told him it was unacceptable. He won't do it again. So <laughs> he's been reprimanded. But I do have some interesting stories. Um, so we've heard about body sprays attracting people or bug sprays preventing the attractions of mosquitoes. But have you heard of the new Bigfoot attraction spray? The article was released yesterday by Allie Megan Webb out of North Carolina, who says she's invented the spray. She claims that it's environmentally friendly, apparently is capable of attracting any curious, hairy creatures within a half a mile. A few people have questioned her. Does it really work? Like, how how do you know this? And her question is, I guess I could answer you by how do you know it doesn't work? I personally don't know what to think about it. I'm not going to try it out. Maybe if it comes out in stores, probably not. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, what's your guys' intake on that? Uh, I will leave that up to you because I was trying to connect with Matt over the Skype. I uh, the, the part about it'll attract... Anything furry with an X amount of miles concerns me just a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, you could, I'm not you could sure always I feel try about it, that. Steph. Oh, I could? Yeah, you could always try it. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Absolutely not. Why not? That's not happening. 
No. Uh, no, because I can make really inappropriate jokes right now, and I'm just going to leave you there. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. That's no, why I was leading it no, on that way. We're like. actually on the radio, not just on YouTube, so oh, I have to okay. behave myself tonight. Yeah, that's true. But it was really good. But it was really good. If you guys want to try it out, we'll get like a test thing, and we'll spray it around somebody and it's like let them run around. It's like worst thing. enemy. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Well, well. You better put it that way. <laughs> I'll I'll text you about that later. Anyway, so have you guys heard about the new trend called the 3 a.m. challenge? It's um, the newest hit with the young kids, not me because I'm not up at 3 a.m., but um, all the kids are waking themselves at 3 a.m. hoping to catch something paranormal to put it on YouTube, which is okay. Like, that's great that you want to go investigate and do all that type of stuff, but at 3 a.m., is not the best time. As we know, it's witching hour, and that's where our data is most collected, but a lot of other things are happening to these children that are not okay. So, Well, listen, I, I think that 3 a.m. thing is bogus. You know, I think stuff happens all the time, and the, the idea of 3 a.m. being any more paranormally active than other times, well, I mean, come on. Spirits and, and demons and all that stuff work on time zones? No, come on. Didn't so you that's know that? where what I. About, what I about daylight to... savings? What if you investigate during daylight savings? How does that affect anything? The, the well, 3 a.m. thing is just with you with. Because, like, one day I just happened to be up at 3 a.m. and it takes me a little bit of time to go back to sleep. And I was like, I just went to the bathroom. Like, wh- what does this, like, mean? Like, it's like, oh, the demons are getting you. The demons are taking over your body. I'm like, nah, I just think I had to pee. So, like. Right. And you get, it, can... you get it into your subconscious where. You know, don't wake up at 3 a.m. Don't wake up at 3 a.m. So, of course, your body's going to wake up at 3 a.m. Because you're, well, yeah. you're doing it to yourself. Speaking from a different perspective, being a medium and being able to see things physically, you know, between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m., they say that the veil is the thinnest between our world and, and theirs. So, that's when you get more visitations. I think it's just we're in a relaxed state at that point. So, that's why you notice yeah, it more. Yeah, it's not the clock. I agree with that. Right. It's not the clock. It's the people that are there during the time period right so it's just it's i think it's to do with your body because there are different time zones there are people that are you know experiencing different things they don't really have a concept of time so um but i can tell you you know in the middle of a deep sleep i'll i'll wake up and see somebody in my bedroom but I'm, i don't see it as much during the day but i think it's because my body's totally I try relaxed. not to show up that time Listen. you know i don't want brendan getting upset when i show up and and, and because you know that your body is you know if you go to sleep generally around 11 o'clock, midnight every night. Let's right. just say that that's, you know, not always exactly, but that's kind of in the window of when you go to bed every right. night. Well, then around 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, your body already starts the process of preparing itself for sleep. So you're already starting to move up into the beta waves mentally right. before you even get there. So, And the same thing happens when you wake up. You're already in this heightened state of awareness. So I think that if you are staying up till 3 a.m. or waking up at 3 a.m. trying to encounter activity, you probably will only because you're putting yourself more into a mindset to get it, and it's not so much you know responding to the clock. You can't you can't just say hey you know uh, let's not investigate from three to four. Let's go do an all nighter, but from three to four, let's like turn all the lights on. It do, it it doesn't make a difference. But these kids, they're not. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking to get the likes and the views. And a lot of them, they're getting either in trouble or they're getting hurt and things like that. So people are trying to put a kibosh to that. So, well, kid, yeah, kids do stupid things to get on YouTube. Of course. I mean, 
But yeah, so I have that one. And then finally, for all our Ghost Adventure fans, um, wow. Zach Bagans is he's opening his new museum on our October 2nd. Um, it's, he states that there's a wide variety of objects, such as a funeral parlor room, um, a hand-painted stained glass that dates back to the 19, um, 1800s. Excuse me. There's a puppet theater room populated with creepy dolls, which baffles oh. me because on the show that the few episodes I've watched, he's all like, ah, dolls! Now he has a room full of dolls, so to each their own, whatever he wants to do. And then, um, he has another numerous amounts of haunted items, um, but he clearly states in the article that he's particularly fond of the marble dolls. So, uh, I don't really know what to think about that. So if anyone's ever in Las Vegas and they check it out, let me know, because I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to go and see this, but hey, if you got pictures... I want to see him. So, yeah. I watched, I, uh, no, I watched an interview that they did with him on the local five news out in Vegas. And they brought it yes. in there. Did you see that? I did. And they talk about that, that special box that is inside a plastic case. But, yeah, it originally was in a wooden case engraved in gold. Yes. And it shouldn't have been moved. And everybody's been commenting, well, why did you move it then? You know, it's just funny the way he has it all set up, and he says it's the most scariest item in there, and um, it's killed, what was it, it killed over like 600 people or some, something crazy like that. It's just ridiculous. Okay. In that interview, correct me if I'm wrong, he contradicts himself a lot. Yes. And I'm not trying to bash him by no means, but he's like, oh, there's no yeah, demons here. But the demon <laughs> right? spirits over here are doing this, but we don't do demons. And no demons over here, but the demons over there. Like, yes, he does. He, he, he contradicted himself a lot on that one. I did remember mm-hmm. seeing that, especially with the Ed Gein thing, the, the cauldron. Yeah saying that it isn't his cauldron, but then he turned around and said it was later on in the in the interview. And it was quite interesting. Plants and flowers in the cauldron at one point. Yeah. Well, really that that was supposedly true. If it, if it was, if it truly is the cauldron that Ed Gein used, the family that got it after him, somebody did use it as a planting pot. So that part is true, but I don't know if that's really his thing or not. I just think it'd be interesting to see. I went to a a dead museum or a museum of death in Louisiana. And that was pretty cool. Um, so maybe that's on the same lines of what he's doing. I don't know. I just like to see some pictures and that's about it. Cause nope. nope. I think I got to get me, you and Tim's Tim booked out over in Vegas. And then we go bang on his door. Zach's not going to let me into his museum. Nope, he, no, you don't not. think so? No, we do not get along anymore. <laughs> nope. Well, well we can just send me out. I'll go for everybody. All right, perfect. Like to go to Vegas. All right. I'll be like, the spooky South crew sent me over, and then I'll probably get sent home. But that's yeah, all right. Probably. probably. The door will probably <laughs> close in your face. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. We will talk to you uh, in two weeks. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. That is our paranormal news correspondent, Ashley Turner, with the Week in Weird. And uh, yeah, the, it's I'm not I'm not getting in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I would anymore we used, either. We used, we used to get along fine. Oh, you see along, but then he sent some not nice tweets toward me, and people defended me. And next thing you know, I was That's blocked. That's not cool. And so, hey, I'm fine with it. All good. So, uh, before we get into things with uh, dark waters tonight, why don't we just recap very quickly uh, what happened last week at our events? Well, first, I, I will. I, I, I'll, I'll, Let's talk about what happened last week. Then we'll talk about okay. the new event. All right. I think that's probably the way to do it. <laughs> Try to build up some more suspense. Um, but uh, so last week, uh, we had mentioned the week before here on the show that 
John, you had a Bright Star Promotions event, your first event under your under your banner. Yes. That was originally scheduled for the SK Pierce Mansion, and we had to get moved because of some politics in town. Yes. And some people in town and Gardner that did, don't want to see the mansion letting people in quite yet. Uh, we did get a chance to stop in and check out some of the work that they've been doing. And the work is beautiful. It, it's fantastic. Yes. It looks like a completely different place. It does. It really does. I, I was shocked. I have not seen it since literally about three weeks before they added the Edwin and Lily and it sold it. So it's been about two or three years. Mm-hmm. And the work is absolutely amazing from the outside straight to the inside. We were there less than a year ago. We were there last November. And just the changes that has happened since yeah. last November is incredible, uh, including well, working toilets. <laughs> right. Well, me and you talked about it. The basement, there were certain rooms you couldn't get in down there. Mm-hmm. Now their windows are cleaned, new windows with bars on it downstairs, and you can see everywhere. You can walk everywhere down there. It was, it's crazy how much they've actually done and made it nicer. So we did have the chance to kind of just check it out, and you will, of course, get the chance to go back in once yes. the town gives the okay. Or the they city, city they did say that. They said hopefully after the spring... They'll give us the okay, and we will be able to get back in there. And that's why I made the announcement at the event to take care of those those guests that were there first. Um, but, yes, we hopefully we will get back in there, all of us. And so with the shift, we headed to Winchenden, to a place that I've been to a couple of times and that we were at last year with Legend Trips, and that would be the Murdoch-Whitney House and also the Isaac Morse House across the street. And we were saying it two weeks ago on the show, you know, there's a reason why it got shifted Something's going to happen. Some stuff is going to happen, and boy, did it. it! It's by far first. I have never been there. I had never even actually heard of the place, other than when you guys talk about it. Um, so I was pretty excited to get to go and check it out, and I was not let down by any means. By any means, the place was amazing. And you did? Did you even get into the Isaac Morris house? No, I never so you got spent over the that whole side. Night in the I spent, Whitney house, yes. and were amazed. And, uh, and and I know you briefly popped over, Stephanie, right. but you were over at the, the Murdoch-Whitney most of the night. I was at the Isaac Morris most of the night. And uh, we were getting shadow people. We were getting all kinds of – we were getting some major battery drains, just mm-hmm. all kinds of weird phenomena taking place. A lot of stuff coming through on the Echo Vox. Uh, without talking too much about it, that house had a, a fairly recent suicide Correct. in it uh, in 1990s, the 1990s. So it's – Whoever is there is definitely still making his presence known. But I've had a lot of freaky stuff happen to me over the years, including at the Murdoch-Whitney house. That's the place where the, the peach pits were appearing out of nowhere and hitting us. And we actually found peach pits yes, on the ground in the basement. But so I've had enough strange experiences, especially in that basement. And we had already kind of felt a little bit about like what might be in that basement might not be any human spirits attached to the place it might be some sort of an elemental being right and i had one of the weirdest experiences that i've ever had and it wasn't just me i've never actually had the the doppelganger effect happen okay during an investigation where all of a sudden i looked and i saw somebody but it wasn't them and that happened to me Hmm. we were actually all kind of in a group in the basement weird stuff coming over the echo box and John and I are standing, like, at the front of the group, looking toward where this shadow activity was taking place. So we were kind of like the vanguards between what was going on and the people behind us, uh, just to Mm -hmm. kind of stick ourselves out in the front. And with doing that, you know, you always have to be cautious of the fact that, okay, if something's going to hit me, let it hit me first. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. 
And so you're always aware if somebody's going past you. And at one point, Nate, our friend Nate was one of the attendees. And at one point, I actually saw Nate walk up to my left and start trying to go in front of me when there was some serious activity going on. And I said, Nate, stay, stay behind me, Nate, or stay over to the side, Nate. And he's like, I didn't move. I'm right behind you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I saw Nate walk, like, and I'm not talking like I saw a person walk up next to me. I'm saying I saw Nate, like I saw his glasses, I saw his shirt, I like saw his Like a hair. doppelganger. And, and I was right there. I saw the same thing. I'm staring straight ahead the whole time. And Nate actually asked me, did you just turn around and look at me? And I said, no, I've been looking straight ahead the whole time. Yep. He actually saw me turn around and look at him. And then your friend who was standing next to you actually had to leave the room because she had a doppelganger experience. Yeah, she she thought she actually, so Sherry from yeah. Ghost Hunters was there. And I Sher- remember her telling me this story. And Sherry was standing to the right of us. Okay. And she literally thought Sherry turned around, not turned around, like turned and stuck her face in front of her to right. say something. Like right up to Right her. up to her. And it wasn't her. When, when Susan turned and looked, Sherry was looking the opposite way, facing away. And she and I saw her. She she was like in shock when when that happened. There was something messing around in that basement. Like I've people. never had that happen where it was like taking the form of the people in the room. It that's, was pretty crazy. That's weird. And then, but what about what we had happen upstairs? Right. Um, we were on the second. I guess you could call it the second floor balcony. And yep. there was a girl sitting there saying that she was getting pain in her neck. And Susan has one of those connects. She gave it to Porter. Porter was using it and looked down, and you could see the figure from the connect with its arm up on top of her, like in her neck area. So Porter then asked it, can you reach out to me? Can you touch me? And you seen the arm, and Stephanie was looking right over his shoulder and saw right. it. It literally reached right out to grab Porter and kept extending its arm just to try and touch him. Yep. And at that same point, we were getting some EVPs right. on, on the real-time recorder. So it was responding with us and answering answering stuff. It was pretty crazy. It was, it was very interactive. Yeah. I, I really uh, I really enjoyed we will be going the entire back night. Oh, yeah. Like the whole night, I was like, "This is great! All kinds of cool stuff's yep. happening." Echo Box is calling people by name. Everybody's happy. This is great. And then that stuff happened. I was like, "Okay, this just took a turn." Mm-hmm. Like it was just strange. Well, what about all the lights going out at the end? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> smartass. <laughs> we well, we were having like weird things happen, and it, then it was funny. So so well, let's back up a second. My friend Susan left. She wasn't feeling good. She went upstairs to get air with her friend. I followed them up to make sure they were okay. Now it's about five minutes of two. I go over to the stairs to yell down. Nobody hears me. So I think it's a bright idea. We'll flick the lights, get their attention. Now Tim can take over and tell what else was going on. So we're, we had enough other things going mm-hmm. on. You know, the Echo Vox is going crazy. All this other stuff's happening. There's all these other, like, anomalies taking place. And then the lights start flicking, flickering. So we're like, was that you? Can you flicker the lights again? And they flicker again. We're like... Come on. And we're like yelling, is that you doing that, John? But because it's like the basement is so cavernous and he's right. up at the top of the stairs, he couldn't hear us. But we were like really like being adamant about it. It was hysterical. <laughs> you, you guys heard it through the vents, right? We could hear it through the vents. But at that point, we were like an hour over the time that we were supposed to be gone. Yep. We just kept it going. And I was practically asleep <laughs> on the couches because I was so tired. So I was hanging out with the guests that were upstairs that were kind of 
just hanging out because they were tired. tired And they were just taking a small break because it was the end of the night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. So uh, we were were giggling about it. And then you came barreling in and told us what happened. So (laughs) it's always good to have a great time and have fun with the guests. um, I mean, I made sure I told them, too. I I didn't let them pass it off. I mean, you guys seen me, too. Right, right. You know, as soon as they came over to the stairs to see if somebody was there, I'm standing right there smiling and going, yes, it was me. So, you know, I wasn't trying to mislead anybody. It was just funny because you guys acted on it at first so i'm like well i'm gonna keep going with this and i ran over and told them stephanie and porter so they knew that i was joking around and it, it, it was a good tension breaker after all the strange things oh it was down yeah there. so it, it, it worked out fine it, it, any other time i probably would have killed you for that <laughs> but because we kind of needed to, to a little bit of a release there it worked out well well, of course, if you want to join us for any events, uh, we have a whole bunch of things coming up. And as uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have a Lizzie Borden event next week, so we won't be here. Uh, however, we do have six tickets left for that event if you want to join Stephanie and myself. Porter yes. from Haunted Towns and Ty Gowan from Haunt Me are going to be joining us. It's going to be a mixture of old school and new school stuff. We're going to try some Victorian era paranormal communication and we're going to try you know the regular stuff that we would do during an investigation we're encouraging people if you want to come in victorian era clothing or steampunk clothing feel free uh, and, and we also have a few rooms left available for that night too so all the details for that are on spookysouthcoast.com if you want to take uh, advantage of those tickets also in the time since we've last spoken uh, we announced spooky in salem which is going to be at the parson barnard house which was seen on haunted towns so that's just going to be myself Stephanie's out of town that weekend. I am. Uh, everybody's kind of booked. So I was like, well, listen, we want to get into the spot. The weekend is open for them. Let's do it. So uh, we'll have a small group that will be investigating the Parson Barnard House, which you saw in the Salem episode of Haunted Towns. It was the home of one of the reverends that were involved in the Salem Witch Trials. And there's some strange things that go on there. So those tickets are available as well. But the new event that we just announced tonight. Last year, we did our Bridgewater Triangle. For the first time, we took people inside the Bridgewater Triangle. Right. And we went to West Bridgewater, and we investigated three different locations in West Bridgewater. And we said, you know, we want to make this an annual thing where, just like we do the radio show every year, where we go and investigate the Bridgewater Triangle on the radio, we want to do an event every year in the Bridgewater Triangle where we can go out and investigate different haunted places. And so this year, it's come together where we're going to be doing Bridgewater Triangle, Mysterious Middleborough. I love it. And we've got three great locations right in downtown Middleborough. We have the Middleborough Town Hall, which was built in the, I think, the 1870s and is rumored to be haunted by Solomon K. Eaton, who was the architect of the town hall, who likes to go around, and I think he likes to put his hands on the ladies. He so. does. I had a very interesting conversation with him the last time that I investigated that place. He is, uh, he's not, you know, a mean-spirited guy. He's no, no, no. just a little handsy. Yes. And there are some other spirits there as well from its its many years of operation. Across the street from that is the Mayflower Lodge, which is the local Masonic temple Mm -hmm. uh, in Middleborough, which has a long history of activity, but not a long history of investigation, because they usually haven't let people in to investigate. I believe the Nick Roftor was the first group of people to actually investigate there, but will be there uh, as part of this event. You'll get to check that place out. And what's great about that is it's right across the street from the town hall, so you only have to walk across the street. Mm -hmm. And then the third location, you've seen it on Paranormal Lockdown, and it's become one of the paranormal superstar locations in Massachusetts. Right. The Oliver House, the Peter Oliver Estate. And this is a place that was built in 1769. Benjamin Franklin visited there. He found letters in a closet there that revealed the fact that the Oliver family were loyalists Mm -hmm. and were sending information back to England 
during the revolution, and he basically exposed them and, and turned the whole community against them. And so uh, that's just one of the many stories out of the Oliver House, and uh, we will be investigating that as part of this as well. And this is a place that has been around for almost 250 years, so right. it has a long history of things that have been going on there. So three different locations. You don't have to worry about getting to the Oliver House from the town hall. We're just going to park our cars at the town hall, and we will have a shuttle service that will bring people over to the Oliver Estate when it's time for them to investigate there. Depending on the weather and, and permissions from the town, we may also investigate the Oliver Mill Park across the street from that as well. Right. But we're going to have plenty of room for everybody and uh, the tickets are available now on SpookySouthCoast.com. It's the Bridgewater Triangle, Mysterious Middleborough, Saturday, November 4th, 2017. So just because Halloween's on the 31st doesn't mean that all your Halloween fun has to end that day. So the following weekend, you can come and hang out with us in Middleborough. For the Spooky South Coast audience, it's local. For the people who are listening to us from outside of the South Coast, it's worth coming here for. Oh, absolutely. Well, how's you going to be at I'm not sure yet because I've had some experiences in the town hall. I actually communicated in the town hall with the spirit of Ed Warren, which really? was yes. very interesting. Uh, Mark and Lauren, Mark Arvilla and Lauren Sheridan, have been doing a long, uh, a long-term communication with Ed Warren's spirit through EchoVox. Mm-hmm. And when they first told me about it, I was like, "Yeah, okay, sure." sure. Yep. But you know, I mean, I trust them, but yeah, I'm like, it could be anything. Still... It could be anything telling mm-hmm. you that it's Ed Warren. And they were actually going on investigations with John Zaffis. And John was like, nope, that's Ed. And, you know, because it's his uncle. So yeah, he confirmed he that that know. was his uncle. And so they've developed this long rapport with him. And when we were down in the basement of the town hall, they asked if Ed was there and if he would come through. And he did. And what was weird is I, we had this moment where I felt this cold breeze kind of pass through me and kind of envelop me down in the basement. And I was like, well, there's a, a little humidifier over there, so maybe that's what I felt. Maybe that kicked on. And then I realized, oh, no, wait, humidifiers kick out warm air mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out the back, not out the front, mm-hmm. or de- dehumidifiers. Dehumidifiers. Right. They, they suck so it's, it's in. It's to keep the right. records dry. Yeah. Yep. So, and then, so we said, okay, well, Ed, if that was you, can you do something else? And he rattled the bookshelf that was in between Mark and I. Really? Very cool. And, uh, and then we went to the Oliver House. And so I'm getting the, the, the walkthrough tour of the Oliver House because I'd never been there before. And as I'm walking through, we, I actually saw a figure walk across one of the bedrooms as I was coming into that room. And you have to go through a little like dressing closet between the two rooms. And as I'm getting ready to walk through that area, I just saw a person walk across the room. That's where I had my experience in that house, too. And, and it, it went from where the closet is toward the exterior facing wall yep so there was nowhere for it to go right but it wasn't there when i walked in so it's a very interesting place it is that that night that i went that you showed up for Mm -hmm. a little while we had some great experiences that night i think all of all of the places are so exciting and i'm actually investigating the mayflower lodge again a couple weeks later with um dustin perry we have an event going on there as well so the turkey event we're having a turkey dinner yes who's cooking uh the masons have a catering service. Oh, okay. So I was hoping uh, it wasn't either one of you. No, we're not cooking. No, 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 no. <laughs> be bad. Um, Them two, no. I would, I would, I would trust Dustin's cooking. Well, maybe Dustin, but no. Sorry, Steph. I love you to death, but no. You know, I can actually cook. Really? Well and bake well. Thank you very much. I just don't enjoy cooking. And baking, I'll bake anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. Because um, I've been on the phone with you a few times when you're burning, listen, burning listen, things. No. Especially, especially grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> 
It's because I'm busy talking to you and not paying attention. Uh-huh. Um, no, I uh, we're ha- we're having a, a full turkey dinner. Um, I'm actually doing my first um, gallery reading in a very long time locally, um, and we have lectures going on, so it's a little bit different than what we're doing for this. Nice. But I'm excited to spend time in the Bridgewater Triangle November 4th, and then come back a little bit later. So uh, those tickets are on sale right now at SpookySouthCoast.com. Don't wait. They will go fast. And uh, and I highly recommend that if you want to join us for any of the spooky fun, you jump on it now. And we're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of good times coming up in uh, in September, October, November. It's Paranormal Christmas, as we call it. And what is this time of year without good stories, without hearing good tales of the strange and the unusual. And uh, so joining us tonight is our guest. His name is Dark Waters. He burst into the paranormal community in 2015 and has taken it by storm with his one-of-a-kind storytelling abilities. Hailing from New Orleans, Louisiana, a paranormal hotspot, Dark's down-home southern vernacular, combined with his smooth voice and outgoing personality, have quickly made him a household name. He's been on all kinds of other shows, and he joins us now for the first time on Spooky South Coast. Dark, you with us. I'm here with you guys right now. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, we hear you great. How how do we sound? You guys sound amazing. All right. See, modern technology, sometimes it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have to say that you might be, I'm trying to think back in all the years of all the, the, the shows that we've done. We've done over 500 episodes now. I don't think we've had anybody that went exclusively by a pseudonym. Yeah, I do go exclusively by a pseudonym, and uh, to explain to you why I do that, because uh, I have several other entrepreneurial ventures that I'm into, and it's better for me to keep myself from being labeled in a particular way, so I do it that way. But I also like the fact that, you know, just having that sense of mystery kind of keeps it cool and keeps it interesting, too, because if you can keep that sensibility about you as you're telling these stories, it kind of just adds to the effect. Yeah, it does. But also, my real name has been out there from day one. I mean, it's on my web, my original website. It's been there since I started. It's just that I kept with Dark Waters um, because it, it and it's building my brand around Dark Waters. So, oh, and it really suits what uh, the the personality that I have. I love it. And so, with this, uh, with, with creating this this identity for yourself, with creating this. Uh, site uh, which people can go to at darkwaters i am darkwaters.com and also through the youtube channel you're basically taking things back to what it really is all about to begin with i mean people want to go out and have paranormal experiences they want to go out and capture evidence but in the end everybody kind of does this because we like that moment of freakiness where we kind of just say whoa did that just happen or you know is this even possible and so you're bringing us back to that original feeling that we felt the very first time Absolutely. And and to be honest with you, what I really do is I try my best to capture the total and complete essence of the person's encounter. Like I was just listening to you guys talk about the doppelganger experience that you had where you were doing an investigation. It would be great for me to recreate that story. And just to give your audience an understanding of what I do, since I've started this, I've had a public phone number. The number is 504-603-1630, right? So that number is public. People call me all times of day, all times of night. And I'll sit there and hold a conversation with a person. Um, and they'll start off as one conversation, and they'll tell me their encounter. And if in that first conversation I hear things that indicate that they're telling the truth, 
and they're not just BSing me, mm-hmm. we have about five or six more conversations in which I go through a process of looping that person over and over and over again and testing their story. And in the process of testing that story, every emotion, every bit of emotion that that person felt comes out. And so I mentally, I've literally memorized their story. And then I go to my computer, record it, and recreate it with dramatic music, sound effects, and everything else that a person would ever need to put you, the listener, in the moment. So when you're listening to these stories, you it, it activates your imagination. And our imagination is one of those things that, because of modern technology, I mean, we're just disconnected from it. Like right, right now, I just took your picture off of my screen. So I wouldn't be looking at you while I'm talking to you because I want to I want to be able to engage my imagination again to, to purely paint these pictures of these stories as I tell them to you. And that's one of the things that people as human beings, we're losing that imagination. We're losing that visualization that is a God given gift for us because of modern technology. And so what happens is someone listens to one of my stories. There's no pictures flashing on the screen. If you close your eyes, you actually see what was going on and what happened. And, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do this show here, and we have the webcams and the spooky TV, and that's the way that people want to consume their content now, and it it eliminates the whole idea of the theater of the mind. And it also eliminates when somebody's putting the picture directly in front of your face and telling you this is what it is that you should be seeing – eliminates the chance for you to kind of fall down the rabbit hole and have other imaginative experiences as well. So if somebody is telling you this story and showing you, you know, a, a video of their exact experience or photographs of their exact experience, it's not only limiting how you can perceive what it is that happened to them, but it's also limiting how much you can allow their story to send you on your own journey because it's now become this compartmentalized thing and it's not really opening up your mind as much as it is just kind of entertaining you for a little bit. Absolutely. And that, you know, that reminds me of how my paranormal journey started. Like it all started for me when I was 12 years old. I mean, and I've told this story a number of times on other different places, but I would love to tell it to you guys. Sure. And um, I'm 12 years old. My family is from Mississippi, pretty much for the most part. Both of my parents are from Mississippi. Um, I live in New Orleans. I was born and raised in New Orleans because they moved here. But my summer times were spent in Mississippi, in small town Mississippi. And just to paint a picture for you guys, if you guys could imagine kind of hovering in the air and looking down at a plot of land, we had two houses on our family land, right? We had one on your right-hand side, one on your left-hand side. And we called the one on the left-hand side the girl's house. The one on the right-hand side was the boy's house. And we had a huge family. I have 13 uncles. No, I have nine uncles and four aunties. So we got a huge family. We're talking about 13 people all together. So you got grandchildren, you got all kind of stuff running around on this property. Well, because we had so many girls and boys, one house was the girl's house and another house was the boy's house. So we were kind of separated by sexes. The boys slept over here, the girls slept over there. And it's one evening, maybe around nine o'clock, I'm over at the girl's house, which is where all the food was cooked and everybody was hanging out. And so I start to leave to go back to the boy's house. Now, the distance between these two houses, maybe 35 yards, but it's Mississippi. The only real light on this property is out towards the street and the little light that kind of comes on the side porch. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the property is deep. So if you're standing at the back of one of those houses, it goes back 75, 80 yards. And on the back end of that property is a basketball goal. And it's kind of like in the middle. And to the right of that goal is this lamp, like a light on a pole, right? 
Um, to the left of that basketball goal is our shed. And that shed had always been haunted. Like all my cousins would dread going to the shed to get the lawnmower or get something out of the freezer at night. You know, like the oldest cousin would always go do it because he was like, look, they got all kind of freaky, weird noises that happen in shit. I'm going to go get the stuff, right? So I'm moving from one house to the other. And it's about 9 o'clock, maybe 9.15, 9.30. It's clearly dark. And I'm walking, you know. And I'm, and just to describe me as a 12-year-old boy, you know, I'm a little bit overweight. I'm not awkward. I'm an athlete. But I'm a little bit overweight. I'm not the most, the fastest guy on the planet, right? And in park ball, I played a lineman, right? I'm not that real spry, you know, limber kid. And so I'm walking over, and as I'm walking, for some reason, I start looking towards the back of the property. And I see this glowing, these two glowing red dots. To describe it to you, there's that light there, right? And these dots are beyond the light, like they're behind the light. Mm -hmm. And they're about the height of the rim of the basketball goal, literally 10 feet in the air, you know, give it to just to be to to give it leeway between nine feet and 10 in the air. And so I see these two glowing kind of fiery glowing red dots. Um, and it makes me just kind of pause and stand there. I'm like, what what is that? And as I'm standing there, it starts moving towards me. And as it moves forward, it comes into the light in this this gigantic shadow, bro. When I say gigantic shadow. The shape of an individual, but this thing is tall and it's moving into the light, but it's pitch black with these fire. Now I'm not realizing it's eyes and it's these fiery red eyes and it's moving into the light, moves through the light and back into the darkness in front of the light and it's moving towards me. So I'm standing there freaking out. I mean, completely freaking out and panicking and frozen in fear. And my mind is, is it's not necessarily racing, but in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the hell this is. And I can't tell you how long I was standing there frozen, but I know this thing was getting closer and closer because my hairs on my arms started standing up. I started getting chills. I started feeling like I had to urinate. It was pure, unadulterated fear that I was feeling, right? And as this thing is getting closer, I hear the door to the girl's house open. And then at this house, they had these wooden steps that were kind of against the concrete foundation. And anytime somebody stepped on the steps, the wood was knock against the foundation. So it'd be like, bloom, 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 right? And you could hear it. Anytime anybody, in the middle of the night, somebody's walking down, you hear the bloom, bloom, bloom. Well, I hear the door open, then I hear, bloom, like somebody's running. And the next thing you know, I get tackled, literally tackled like a tackle dummy. I'm picked up, ran into that other house that I was headed to and took into the bedroom. And it's my older cousin, the oldest one, the coolest guy on the planet. I'm one of the few family members I'm still cool with. And he puts me in the bed. And I'm like, yo, what was that, man? And he was like, look, I need you to stay here. Don't move. He runs back out. And for the next five minutes, there's this commotion, you know, this huge commotion. Where, like, just activity where everybody's moving around. That cousin comes back, sits down with me, and he prays. And he says, look, I'm going to stay in here with you for the rest of the night, right? So that's my first paranormal experience I had. Later on, it turns out, as I got older, I learned that my grandmother was a hoodoo practitioner. And not, you know, like some run-of-the-mill, let me play with some roots. Like, she was the person that people came to if they wanted to do something to somebody else. Right? Like, she was the bomb when it came to this. And it came out that 
uh, and this came out when I was an adult, that she had made a deal with a spiritual entity where one of our one of her grandchildren, male grandchildren, was going to be taken at 12 years old. Ooh. Later on, one of my cousins actually died mysteriously in the hospital. And, um, and I hate telling this part, but his mother said that before he died, she saw a large black shadow in the hospital room with red eyes. Wow. So my introduction to the paranormal was just insane and crazy. And then you move on to me being a teenager and seeing doppelgangers of kids that I was babysitting. And then you move on to um, being in high school and, you know, after school playing football. And you know how you have the, the school is abandoned after school if you're an athlete. Anybody who's an athlete knows that the hallways are abandoned. I'm going to the bathroom, and I go to take a leak, and the bathroom door is kind of moving on its own. Like so many crazy things have happened to me over the years that it naturally led me to um, to talking about those things. And when I started at Dark Waters Channel, I said, well, hey, if I've had these experiences, then many other people have had these experiences. But I wanted to approach it from a respectful manner where it wasn't necessarily about whatever entity it was, but it was about the individual who had the encounter and who had the experience. Because it's very hard for anyone to relate to something that's not alive, whether it's a ghost or a demon or a dog man or a Bigfoot, whatever it is. We necessarily can't relate to that, but we can relate to the human experience that we all have. We all can relate to fear and dread because we all felt it. And so um, since I've been doing this as Dark Waters, I've experienced things that, you know, some things that I've talked about, some things that I haven't talked about. I've experienced things that are completely insane um, just from talking to people on the phone. I've experienced, I mean, complete insanity, complete insanity. So as people are... Uh contacting you and, and sharing their experiences with you, whatever it is that's plaguing them has kind of also turned its attention to you because you've, you've, you've become involved in the situation? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I never anticipated that, bro. You know, it's kind of like when you start doing something, you have a vision for what it is that you want to do, right? You say, and you set these parameters, right, and these, these lines. It would be personally. You guys are you guys literally go into haunted places. To me, you you guys are the baddest of the baddest, right? Like I could never do what you're doing. I'm telling you right now. There's three of you guys in there, you way more brave than me. You know, I'm telling you now. But I draw these kind of lines in the sand and I say, Okay, there's certain things I'm gonna do and certain things I'm not gonna do. And those lines just got blown past because I never anticipated that by talking to someone that I would experience paranormal activity from talking to someone. It just never crossed my mind that that would happen. Call it ignorance, call it whatever. Let's just call it ignorance because that's what it was. I never, ever imagined that that would happen to me. You know, and, and it's happened in so many different instances. Um, the worst instance is that I'm, right now, literally, I'm plagued with acid reflux. And I'm not talking about like, you know, regular, you know, I burp every now and then. I'm talking about acid reflux to the point to where you feel like you have two heartbeats, like your stomach is palpitating and moving. You feel like you have two heartbeats. And all that started based on me talking to this young lady um, whose family had what I thought was just a generational curse on them. And she calls me and she's like, hey, dog, water, sweetest woman in the world. And I was in Dallas at a cigar shop. And anybody who knows me know I love smoking cigars. And I'm smoking a cigar. And she's like, you know, I just wanted to tell you my story. And, guys, we go into all these things that's happening to our family, how, like, 
you know, they would get a new car and a car would get wrecked. And um, when they got their brand new house, there was immediately a kitchen fire. And I'm like, okay, you know, you guys got some kind of curse on you. And she started talking about, you know, her family has been this way for a very, very long time. This is always all she's known since she was a kid was these disasters. Now, she didn't really want her story told at that point in time. So it was just me, her confiding in me. So it was just kind of like, I want somebody that I can share this story with that will believe me and won't think I'm crazy. So, you know, we're talking for like an hour. And finally, just as every other conversation, when you get towards the end and I get the looping and asking questions, you kind of chunk down and you get to the bottom of what's really going on. So we start getting to the bottom of it and she starts getting emotional. And then what I've discovered is when I'm talking to people, when they get, when they really get emotional, starts crying and things like that, when it's time to take a break, that's when you know you're at that, you're crossing the bridge over to what it really is that's going on with the person. So she starts crying. We take a break. I tell her a story about, you know, me being a 12 year old little boy and trying to jump over a canal and fall in a, in a canal full of water with alligators. She starts laughing and, you know, we're hanging out and we go back into the story. She says that, you know, dark, um, I was laying in the bed and I was laying on my right hand side. And I start to feel like something's in the bed with me. And she describes, you know, the feeling of something kind of kneeling into the bed. You know, anybody who's in a relationship, you know how your significant other climbs in the bed with you. And there's that indention in the bed and you feel that weight shift in your body shifts. Well, she feels that. And she's afraid because she's only 13 years old. She's afraid to look over her shoulder. But eventually she feels something snuggling up, getting close to her. And then she feels... Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is something violating her body part, you know, um, one of her body parts, like literally entering into her body. And she looks over her shoulder and it's this, this old kind of a hag woman in black, like with a black veil over her face. Now, typically when people tell me these stories, if you're telling me a story and you're excited and there's no emotion to it, if, you know, if I'm getting physically molested by, something i'm gonna be emotional this lady is breaking i mean like i had pulled her out of the moment and made her happy again and she broke immediately i mean like broken half like emotionally torn and so i'm like okay you know this is not going too good for her and i'm trying to back us out of it right well while i'm talking to her something in my spirit says it literally starts screaming and it's like, get off the phone with this lady, get off the phone with this lady, get off the phone with this lady. By now, I have these chicken fingers and fries in front of me and a Sprite, and I'm eating. And it just says, get off the phone with this lady. So I say, hey, I'm going to call you back because I've learned growing up in the hood that you listen to your instincts mm-hmm. because they save your life. Well, I get off the phone with her, guys. And the minute I get off the phone with this lady, it says, throw your food away and stop eating and start drinking water. So I'm, it, to me, at first it was crazy. I'm getting chills talking about this and we really about to get into some crazy stuff. I throw the food away. I start drinking the water. As the water's going down my throat, my throat, my throat literally starts closing off. Like I feel my throat closing. And I'm like, oh my God. And I panic. I get up. I go to the bathroom. I'm kind of coughing a little bit and wheezing. And then it stops. Well, go home that night. I'll go to my girlfriend's apartment in Dallas that night. And we go to bed about three o'clock in the morning. I'm laying on my right hand side and I feel something going into my mouth like a finger. Like if you were to take your finger and slide it through your lips and let it hit against your teeth and push in, 
that's what I'm feeling. And so I bite down and wake up. So I'm literally bite down and waking up simultaneously. And I have this nasty, earthy, metallic taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And I'm freaking out because I'm thinking I just bit my girlfriend's finger or something because i'm like okay so i roll over i'm like babe are you all right and she's like look go to sleep you waking me up why are you waking me up what's wrong with you and i realize it's not her so now i'm like okay i know i have this taste in my mouth i know i felt something i'm like all right i'm just gonna you know let it go let this go and I'm not gonna worry about it i go back to sleep as i'm in between falling asleep and awake i feel it again but this time it's going through my nose I can feel it going through my nose and my nasal passages down my throat, and I feel a sharp prick like someone took a needle and touched my esophagus. It was painful, and I jolt up and I jump up. Um, and as I'm jumping up, I'm simultaneously grabbing towards my nose, like right, you know, like if you were trying to grab a hand. And when I grab, I feel something tangible. This freaks me the hell out. When I tell you it freaks me the hell out, I'm I'm through. I sit straight up, I get up out of the bed, and I know something paranormal is going on, right? I go out to the balcony, and, the, and at this point in time, I didn't understand spiritual warfare, and I didn't understand the prayers I needed to use to protect myself. I didn't know anything. I like At this point in time, I was still ignorant to how to protect myself. And so I go out on the balcony, I grab a cigar, and the only thing I could think to do was I type on YouTube by typing preachers. And I put on some headphones, and I just play like random pastors talking in my ears. And at this point in time, it's like 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. I stay out there until the sun comes up. And then I go back inside, right? She's getting up and, you know, moving around. I'm going to bed. So that very same evening I leave, come back to New Orleans, she calls me that night about 12.30. And she says, babe, I thought you were in the bed with me because... I felt somebody climb in the bed and then touch on my face. Mm -hmm. And that really angered me. When I said that angered me, because now because I talked to a woman and I was trying to help her, by the way, because I was referring her to a demonologist. And I think that's where, you know, whatever this entity was got pissed off is because I was trying to help her. So now you're messing with my girlfriend. So I end up reaching out to the same demonologist. He gives me the prayers that I need to do. And I really start taking it significantly more seriously about protecting myself from things happening to me. So now I have a daily prayer regimen that I do, and it it forces these things to kind of taper off and stop. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Every now and then I'll still feel something or see something out the corner of my eye, but there have been times where, like, it was visible things going on around my house. Like, the, the freaking door to the dryer opens up, which the door is on a latch, or... My shoes, both pairs of shoes go missing, and they're found behind the washing machine. Absolutely no way they got there. No way whatsoever. Um, just crazy stuff has happened. Well, uh, listen, I was supposed to stop and take a news break, <laughs> and I was so hooked, I made the executive decision to say, screw the news. <laughs> We're sticking with the stories. Uh, <laughs> but I do have to just really fast, I just got to fire off the legal ID just so that we can be in compliance. So we'll, we'll be back in about 10 seconds with... More with Dark Waters here on Spooky South Coast. New Bedford's News Talk Station. New Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM. New Bedford streaming worldwide on the WBSM app and on WBSM.com. Wow. I mean, already 
I'm freaked out, and it takes a lot to kind of freak me out. But uh, this is this is some great stuff, and we are talking with Dark Waters, and you can check him out online at imdarkwaters.com. So, with knowing how to protect yourself now, and with taking those steps, has has it subsided at all? Has it has it kept at least some sort of a barrier up between you and this stuff, or or, or are these things still coming after you? No, absolutely, it keeps a barrier, but it's. It's, you know, it's like maintenance on, um, you know, how you have to change your oil on your car and rotate your tires. Sure, and, yeah. uh, it's maintenance that you have to do. Because when I first started doing it, it was kind of like I did it for the, the demonologist told me, uh, he said, do it for three days and everything will stop. So I did it for three days and I went back to doing what I was doing and boom, it starts again. And so the next thing that happened that really made me realize that I have to consistently do this is um my son is here and i have two sons i'm a single dad i went through a divorce so my son is here with me right and they have bunk beds my youngest son is 12 the oldest one is 13 so i'm laying in the bed my youngest son comes in the bedroom hops in the bed with me and wakes me up he says dad i'm like what's up he was like um something kind of weird and crazy happened i need to talk to you about it i'm like all right what's going on he's like well i was sleeping and I felt like something was in the bed with me. And then it told me that no one can save me. And I was like, what? He's like, it told me no one can save me. He was like, look, Dad, you told me that you believe in a paranormal. If anything freaky or weird happened to tell you, mm-hmm. I'm pissed off again, right? So I literally go in the room. I get my other son out of the bed. I put them in my bedroom. And I sit in that room and I pray, dude, for like three hours. I mean, I'm non-stop praying because I'm angry and I'm like this is not going to ever happen again this this will never happen again so I prayed for like three hours and in that room while I was there the room was heavy like and you guys are ghost hunters and you've been in rooms where you can feel that negative energy so I know you guys can relate to this it's negative energy in that room and I pray until it goes away and I come back in the room and get back in the bed with my two sons and um, the following morning, my son is like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to sleep. And I, and I explained to him, I said, listen, um, I said, here's the prayers that you need to say every day. And here's the prayer that your brother needs to say every day. And the one thing you can't do is I don't need you to be fearful because these things feed off fear. I said, so say your prayers, believe in God and go to bed. And so they say their prayers every night and they go to bed. And we haven't had any problems. But now I don't have problems because I keep my hedge strong like super duper strong like not you know you know you know how people in church call it like in a black church where i grew up they call it backsliding you know they'd be like you know god loves the backslider you know the pastors up there they in the name of jesus they clapping and singing mm-hmm. and they call it the backslider and they say you know when you backslide the sin and doing things that's wrong well what this has taught me in doing this and helping people and talking to people it has strengthened my spirituality to a whole nother level because, you know, most people have doubts about, you know, they, they, is God real? Does God love me? You know, does this, does God even exist? When you see the kind of stuff I've seen and experience the kind of things I've experienced, you know that evil exists. So, you know, God has to exist. So therefore you lean on that. And I lean on it heavily now. Um, and it's, it's been one of the greatest blessings. I can honestly say that's ever happened to me as a, as a man. I mean, it's, it's been a blessing and a curse, you know, but it's been a blessing. It's almost like, though, at the same time, these things know that 
to get you you're you're making these steps to strengthen yourself against it but it's like okay well we're going to go after the one thing that we know will hurt you more than anything and that being your loved ones was there ever any time that you said maybe i shouldn't stick with this or were you seeing it as a challenge of hey this is your calling and you're not going to let anything stand in your way no because i don't worry about it because my prayers include my loved ones and uh, the prayers that i use are for me and to build a hedge of around them and as long as i'm consistently praying nobody's having an issue now it puts a burden on me right. to make sure that um I consistently do it. And then also you got to understand is I I have a boundary box, a very strong boundary box when it comes to certain things now. When it comes to demonic stuff, dude, if somebody calls me like let's say you guys start talking about demons right now, I might get off the interview with you. I might literally be like, "Okay guys, this was great. I'm going. I'll let you later." Like you can't everybody knows don't call dog waters with something demonic because I'm going to hang up on you because in my mind, I don't know. I literally do not know if you're under the influence of something demonic and that demonic influence is using you to get to me because I have a huge voice and it wants to get attention via me telling its story. I have no way of discerning that. Um, and so I don't even put myself in that situation. Like, there's, I don't put myself in a situation. I won't put myself in a situation. No, so when that. someone calls about something demonic, you can cancel Christmas. A guy called me last night uh, on our live stream and he was telling his story. And one of the things he said was, Hey, DW, I know you don't do the demonic stuff, but I'm going to tell you this incident. I'm going to leave all the rest of the stuff out. And I was like, good, bro, because I was going to hang up on you. And, you know, so I draw my, I have my boundary box. And, and when it's demonic, we, you know, we put that stuff in a box, we wrap it up, we throw it in the ocean. We don't talk about it in the dark waters family. You know, being from the New Orleans area, you probably encounter some some darker things on a pretty regular basis. No, not necessarily. Um, not necessarily. You know, New Orleans is a, a what I call a place where paranormal is the norm. Mm -hmm. um, and when we start talking about New Orleans, you have to understand the culture of New Orleans. Like, if you ever been here and you understand the people and how friendly and how, how outgoing we are. When it comes to the paranormal, it's an everyday thing here. So you'll go to someone's house for Thanksgiving or for a Saints football game, and they may just be talking, and somebody will say, oh, yeah, you know, that door was opening and closing again on its own, and it's talked about casually, right? So the people who share their encounters here, it's not something, um, cli not cliche, it's not something taboo to us. So me personally walking down the street, am I experiencing shadow men and all the rest of this? No. Well, I experience more stuff based on doing the work of talking to people than just living here. Now, when I start telling you stories about people who live here and the things that they've experienced, it will scare you to death because they experience some really, really weird paranormal stuff. But just for me on an everyday basis while I'm going to work, you know, while I'm going to the football game, I can never say that, you know, it's just like paranormal stuff is just chasing me down. Shadow men are, are grabbing my behind while I'm walking down the street. That's just not happening, you know, bro? Well, I spent some time in New Orleans last year, my first time ever down there. And I have to say, you know, coming from the the northeast, the always cynical northeast, the, the very – there's a lot of coldness here. And I don't mean the weather. I mean, like, toward each other. And when I went down there, it's exactly like you said, the, the nicest people in the world, almost to the point like I wasn't sure I could actually trust how nice people were. I was like, wow, everybody <laughs> seems so abnormally nice. But you definitely feel that. And I actually felt like just a couple of days that I spent there, 
in some of the very limited things I experienced when I was there, I feel like it made me stronger to go up against the stuff that I go up against. And I, I try to carry a little bit of that spirit with me, no pun intended, when I go into these things. So I can see how, you know, you can be molded into being the person to share all this and, and having that be part of what is kind of running through your veins and, and helping you be so strong against this because you definitely pick up a vibe there of, yes, this stuff happens, but we're not letting it get the better of us. That's for sure. And and that's the New Orleans mentality, man. You got to understand New Orleans is a city that's been through trauma and turmoil and everything else, but we party on, we live on, and we live our lives. So it's one of the things the paranormal is incorporated into our lives. It doesn't dominate our lives. And that's the, the one, the best way to see it is that it's incorporated into our lives. If you've ever been on Bourbon Street and you're walking around or you've been in the French quarters, you'll see people doing ghost tours and they're touring places and sharing the paranormal experiences that people have had. Which, by the way, reminds me of another story. There's this place called, um, and you guys were talking about something like this earlier, but this one is crazy. There's a place called Sabiza's Cafe on uh, Decatur Street. Decatur, yes, Decatur. Decatur or South Peters, one of the, uh, one of the two. But anyway, it's in the French quarters, and a friend of mine is the owner, was the owner of Sabiza's. He sold it because the minute he bought it, his businesses started taking a downturn. And people told him it was a cursed place, and if you own it, you know, it's going to destroy you and your family. And it turned out that he sold his interest in it because it, his businesses took a serious downturn after he took possession of it. But while when he took possession of it, him and his partner, it was around the time where I was starting to do the Dark Waters Channel. So him and I are out smoking cigars, and I'm telling him what I'm doing. He's like, listen, bro, you know, Sabiza's is pretty haunted. Actually, it's probably the most haunted place in the French quarters. You should, uh, you know, talk to one of my employees who had a paranormal encounter. Um, I'll send you the email messages from when she resigned, and I'll send you her phone number. You can call her, right? So I end up talking to this young lady, and she starts going through the process of explaining to me what happened. She starts off, and she says, dark. I'm going to tell you this. When you go to Sabiza's, you will notice that there are no females that work at the restaurant. And I was like, she's like, have you been there? I said, no, but I'm going tomorrow. She's like, well, when you go tomorrow, you realize that there's not one woman working there. And I was like, well, why don't women work there? She said, because of the angry man. And I'm like, okay, who's the angry man? She was like, it's a shadow man that approaches you when you're working there. He'll approach you in the daytime. He'll approach you at night. He'll follow you home. He'll do anything to get at you. And I'm like, eh, I'm kind of skeptical, but I'm like, let me, I have read her email, her resignation email. And so I said, well, finish telling me your story. So this girl had been working there for about three weeks and she was a hostess. You know, the young lady who's standing at the front door. And when you walk in, you know, she gives you the menu and seats you. She's a hostess. And so she had been working there about three weeks. And in those three weeks, she saw the angry man seven times, right? The men don't see the angry men. The women, the angry man, the women do. She saw him seven times, and so she's like, I, I can't deal with this. Then she saw him at home. So she started to stay with her boyfriend in Mandeville. Now, to explain to you guys the difference, the distance between New Orleans and Mandeville, you're talking about 60 miles away from downtown New Orleans, maybe maybe 75 miles away. So she goes to stay with her boyfriend in Mandeville. She's got a big house, a swimming pool, and she feels pretty good. She goes swimming broad daylight on a Saturday. She's in the pool swimming. 
She's doing laps on the water, and she goes to the far end of the pool, and she's headed back and swimming towards the other end of the pool. And if you've ever been underwater, you know how you kind of can look up through the water, and you'll see a person standing there, Mm -hmm. but the water distorts your vision. So you can't really see who it is, but you you know it's a person there, right? Right. So she's swimming back, and she thinks it's her boyfriend at the edge of the pool. So in her mind, she's going to swim up and jump up and splash water on her boyfriend. So she does it. She swims up, jumps out of the water, splashes water in the air, and as the water's dripping down her face and running out of her eyes to where she can see clearly, it's this shadow man standing at the edge of the pool. Broad freaking daylight standing at the edge of the pool. The water, this freaked me out when she told me, because I'm, I'm questioning her. I said, well, because I want to see if she's lying. I said, well, how did the shadow react to the water hitting it? She said, the water hit it and ran down it. And I'm like, wait, what? She's like, the water hit it and dripped down it. And then I jumped backwards into the pool and swim the way backwards. So the water, she's swimming backwards. The water flushes back down on her face. She pops back up and it's gone. Freaks out, hops up out of the pool, screaming and hollering, runs inside, goes to tell her boyfriend what happened. The boyfriend doesn't believe her. Like, he's like, yo, you bugging out. Like, you know, you losing your mind. They go to bed that night. They're in the bed together. She's laying with her head on his chest. He's laying on his back and he's falling asleep and he opens his eyes. They got the light on in the room, like a little lamp light on the room and the TV on. He opens his eyes and he sees the shadow man, the angry man, standing in the doorway. He completely freaks out. I mean, like, he's like, oh, hell no. Hops up out of the bed. By the time he moves from out of the bed and gets to the door, because he's thinking it's a person, by the time he moves from the bed to the door, it's gone. And so he explains. They start talking. Now he believes her. And they're going back and forth. And he tells her, look, you are going to quit this job. You're done. Done not going back. Like, you, you better go get a job working at Applebee's. You're done. And she quits the job. Never went back down there. And if you go to Sabiza's today, I promise you, there is no woman working at Sabiza's. Like, if you want to do an investigation, go to Sabiza's and do an investigation. There's no woman working at Sabiza's. Well, Stephanie, if we go back with the uh, Strange Escapes cruise, if I get invited, I haven't gotten invited yet. If I get invited and we're, we'll be leaving out of uh, New Orleans, we're going to have to tell Amy Bruni that you have to go. And I have to go. My co-host Stephanie here is a, is a psychic medium, so... I'd be very interested in seeing if she can pick up on whatever that is. Right. Well, I also have the uh, the lovely ability to be able to see spirits physically, no matter if they show themselves like that usually or not. So that would be pretty interesting. Well, I'm not really it's my understanding that the angry man likes attractive women, Stephanie, so you're going to get hit on, babe. <laughs> it's going to get at you. All right. Well, I, it wouldn't be the first time, so <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, well, I think, well, you're you're still down in the area yourself? Yep. We're going to have to hook up with you when we, we get down there because I would love to sit and talk with you in person. No, you're more than welcome to, but I'm not going to Sabiza's with you. Oh, no, no, no. We, we don't, that's okay. Yourself. We don't have to go there. We can we can go somewhere without ghosts, but I'd love, love we, to meet you. Can we go to Two Sisters for some po' boys? I've never they been there. They might have there, ghosts there, so. too. What's a po' boy? John Brightman, what did you just say? <laughs> What's a po' boy? Oh, man. This story, this 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 show just took a totally different turn. It's I've never had one. Spooky snack? 
Thanks. It's it's if like we're gonna get poor boys, guys. We gotta go to Maloney's. Maloney's way better than Two Sisters. Maloney? Yeah, when you guys hang out, I'm gonna take you out. You're gonna. Right. It's, it's some right. much better places than. We need suggestions. That's a tourism spot. Malone, I've never been. Maloney's is that place where they bought the other bar, right? The one with. They bought another bar like down the street or next door. It's, yeah, so Maloney's on Magazine, it's a, and they bought another spot a couple of uh, a couple of blocks down too. Yeah, I couldn't get in there when I tried to get in. The place was packed. So if, mm-hmm. if you've got the connections, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have you take us out. Man, yeah, Jim Brighton, a lot of connect. You got to have fun. I want to tell you after the show where the pole boy is, and you're okay. going to want to go try to find one right away. Okay. Oh my goodness. Have, spe- you, have you had one? I have never. No, it's I've never he doesn't know what a pole boy is. John Brighton does not know what a pole boy is. It's the greatest oh sandwich God. ever. It's I I don't even want to call it a sandwich. It's a work of art. It's the greatest thing ever invented. Have you had one? It's a slice of heaven, is what it is. Absolutely. That's too funny. It's manna. I think that's what God was dropping to them in, in the desert. It was po' boys. Now, you, now, just just real quickly, <laughs> you know, it, it's come. It comes with the remoulade on it, but do you also add the hot sauce? Yes. Absolutely. See, you can't do hot sauce. It's all right. You don't need to. Okay. You don't have to. But it makes it better. All right. I'll, and I'll, if you want to run his blood pressure up, you need to get him a hot sausage, po' boy. Or shrimp, poor boy. Run your blood pressure up. You're going to go back to your hotel room and go to sleep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to wait to give him the, the full description because otherwise he'll get hungry during the show and then immediately try to take off to find one. So a lot of these stories that you've you've heard, I know that you've heard, and again, because these are people's real-life experiences, I hate to kind of use the word genre, but you've heard of all different types of activity. It's not just shadow figures and, and ghostly entities. You've heard of some pretty strange stuff. Yeah, I've heard of uh, it runs the gamut from shadowmen to ghosts to demons, which I hate, to black eyed kids, um, to things that will fall under cryptozoology, um, a little bit of everything. And we're talking about from all over the world. We're not just talking about from the United States. I mean, I got people call me from China. I got people call me from the Philippines, from Argentina, from Venezuela. My friends in Venezuela, I haven't heard much from them. I guess they got too much going on down there with the turmoil. Um, people from the Caribbean. I get calls from all over the world and emails from all over the world. People wanting to share their stories with me. And that's the, that's the, the best thing about doing this is that it's not limited to what goes on in America because the paranormal is not limited to what happens in America, you know? And, and by do, getting those stories from all over the world, you're seeing the, the commonalities between them to say, okay, it's not just a cultural thing that, you know, this country made up this story. And you're seeing the fact that these things are happening all over the world, which in my eyes gives it more credence. You know, when every culture is talking about something that's happening, then something must actually be happening for them all to be talking about it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, for example, I'll give you guys a story from the Philippines. There's a guy down here... Um, I can't say that about him, but he's a pretty, pretty freaking well-connected guy. Um, very, very well-connected. New Orleans is run by these groups of people that sometimes get nefarious kind of connotations to, you know, their business dealings. But he's happens to be a, a Filipino-American whose father was in the Filipino mafia who sent him here to America. He and I become friends over time. And when I start telling him about what I'm doing with uh, the Dark Waters channel, he's like, you know, he's funny because he, the way he talks is real funny. He's like, look at Doc. Well, he don't call me Doc. He calls me my real name. He's like, look at, you know, uh, I want to tell you a story about what happened to me when I was a teenager, right? And this is how he talks. He's like, yeah, you know, so I'm trying to get me some. 
in uh you know they had these little small islands that were uninhabited and so he would he took one of his uncle's boats and his his kind of girlfriend and they were going to go to the island and spend the night so they could kind of get it on they had some privacy right so he gets on a boat they head on over in broad daylight get to the island post up hanging out and chilling it starts to turn dark and they literally hear what sounds like a woman screaming screeching and screaming like wailing is how he described it but he's in the process of trying to get him some so he's you know telling him nah that's just an animal <laughs> and that's how he's telling him he's like look I was trying to get me some so I'm not worried about it you know I'm I'm just like look that's an animal so they end up laying up on the beach and they're relaxing and they're chilling and as he's laying there he kind of sees what looks like a woman in white out of the corner of his eye moving in a tree line but you know, he was like, look, man, I, I, I thought I saw something, but, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. You know you're on an island with nobody there. And so my mind was, I thought my mind was playing tricks on me. So now his girl is laying on the, on the ground next to him, and she's afraid. He's like, you know, she's literally a trembling. She's ready to go. But the problem was they couldn't leave that island after dark because they had to navigate around these rocks to get in. And if he destroyed his uncle boat on the rocks, he would really be in trouble. She's like, look, bro. We were stuck there until the morning because I'm not about to wreck this boat. And it's not like a boat like we're thinking about. It's one of them little shady little bitty boats. He's like, I'm not going to wreck this boat trying to get off this island. Besides, I'm trying to get me something. Well, he's laying there with her. And um, you know how someone's laying right next to you and and your arm is extended out and they're laying with their head on kind of your bicep, the inner part of your bicep? Mm -hmm. You know that little that people do? So he's laying there with her. And her arms laid on the inside of his bicep, and he feels her shaking because she's afraid. So he goes to pull her towards him, kind of roll her in and hug her. And when he rolls her in towards him, he can see behind her. And right behind him, right behind her, is a woman, ghostly-looking woman, white, pale, with a bullet wound in the top of her head, like in the center of her forehead. And he freaks out. He hops up, grabs everything, grabs her. She didn't see it. He saw it. He literally yanks her up. They run to the boat, and he navigates to the rocks and then sets anchor among the rocks. This is how scared he was. Sets the anchor among the rocks and sits there with the oars holding the boat from hitting the rocks until the morning. Then as soon as the light breaks, they navigate the rest of the rocks and go back to the um, to the island where they were originally going to. And uh, And this guy... Look, this guy's not the kind of guy that's going to lie. You know, this is, he's the real deal. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm hanging out with him. I met people in the Yakuza. People like, this guy's not going to lie. You know, he's just not one of those guys that's going to sit there and lie. So, I mean, those stories come from all around the world. And it's because one thing that we all have in common is the paranormal. It's the one thing that people won't talk about, but we all have something paranormal in common. You know, just like Stephanie was saying that she's psychic and, um, she can see spirits. Think about the number of people who experience deja vu on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I have a premonition. But we don't classify it as, oh, you know, it's paranormal. But it is. So we all can relate to it. It's just a matter of getting people to open up and talk about it. And that is one of those things where, you know, you can kind of come into play as the way for people to have their stories told and, and to have a, a voice that can share them to an audience but also at the same time as a way to kind of, I don't want, 
you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are looking for validation for what happened to them. A lot of people are looking for just someone to believe them and to just have somebody who's willing to say, no, you're not crazy. And so when you've been able to say to them, hey, listen, I've gotten stories just like this from people all over the world, you know, it's it's cathartic for them. It's 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 a bit of therapy for them, for them to be able to say, okay, you know, now I now I feel better about what happened to me. But then their story is also becoming something bigger because now it's becoming almost sociological, anthropological. It's becoming part of culture now. And Absolutely. And that's what I love about what you're doing is that you're basically you're 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 taking that storytelling aspect of of what made us society that we are now and and keeping it alive. So it doesn't matter what it is that you're talking about. You just happen to be talking about scary stories and and, and horrible experiences people have had. But just the fact that you're talking and spreading these stories is feeding into whatever is better than what these people are encountering. Not only that, but you will be amazed at the number of calls. I do have a, a boatload of stories that I can share, but you'll be amazed at the number of people that I've talked to who just say, hey, I just want you to listen. Please don't tell my story. I mean, don't tell my story. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, because there's a there's such a plethora of them. I don't have to violate anybody's privacy. And I'll sit there and i listen to their story. There was a woman, a young lady, literally two days ago who messaged me on Facebook who had a dog man encounter, and she just wants to have somebody to talk to and i've been trying to get in contact with her. we've missed each other but i'll end up probably talking to her tomorrow and you guys will never hear the story but she and i will share that moment together where she can share her story and she can get it off her chest and move on and uh it doesn't bother me to hear the story it's not like i'm i'm not going anywhere where there's anything any dogmen or anything like that so i'm cool with it you know i'm never making that mistake so mm-hmm. Well, you know, is what it is. You mentioned the dog man, and uh, you know the the Dark Waters family is all uh, filling up our chat room, and it's great. Thank you all for for getting involved in the discussion there. And anybody that's listening, you can do so on SpookySouthCoast.com or on our YouTube page, and you can get involved in the chat room there as the show is going on. But you're getting a lot of people that are mentioning the dog man and asking for dog man stories. So I'm assuming this is something that you have been collecting quite a deal of, of tales about. Oh, that was a well, bad, that was a bad pun that I didn't mean. I did not mean tails <laughs> when I said dogman. Well, yeah, it's one of the more popular topics um, that people love. I don't know why people love this topic so much. To me, it's to me it's one of the most frightening things, Stephen, to understand that that it actually exists. You know, upright walking canine creature. Um, when I first started hearing about it, I really didn't believe in it, and I tell people all the time. I didn't believe into it in it at all. And then I started getting stories from people on the topic and then the story started having these common themes. You know, you know something's true when it rings true and there are things that are consistent among stories, you know, not just one or two. I probably talked about five hundred people who've had encounters wow. and consistently there are these things that um that come across. One of them is that these creatures, not only are they real and they're physical, it's not like it's some kind of spiritual manifestation of them, but they're real, they're physical, and they're extremely intelligent. Um, and they have the ability to give off an impression. You know how 
Um, like for example, you sit in the studio with three people right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's say Stephanie won, she made a face at you. You know, her facial expression can speak words to you, right? She can make a face and you've known her for a while. She may make a little twist her nose or twist her cheek a certain way and you know what she's saying to you, like shut up or you're getting on my nerves. The, the animal has the ability to do that, which when people first started telling me that, like, hey, you know, I, I saw this thing and it had this kind of smirk on his face. At first I was like, wait, what? A smirk? What do you mean a smirk? Like a smirk, like a grin. And I'm like, I don't believe that. You, you BSing me, right? You know? And then 20 people tell you the same thing that don't know each other. Then another 10 people tell it to you. Then another person tells it to you. I'm like, okay, there might be some truth in this. And it, it, that creature, man, is probably the most intelligent predator that we have on planet Earth at this point in time. Probably the most least known predator, but the most intelligent predator that we have on Earth at this time. And a number of the things that have been consistent is that as long it will intimidate you, it will do its best to intimidate you. But the average encounter that a person has is, you know, they'll see it in passing or they'll see it and it goes the other way. That's the overall, you know, if, we, if we're drawing a bell curve, right, and in the middle of that curve, that's the experience. You know, it's I saw this thing, it freaked me the hell out, it went its way, and then I went my way. If you get on the far right end of the bell curve, the, the encounters get more extreme. I saw this thing, I raised my weapon at it, and I shot at it, and it chased me down. Or it followed my truck home, and it showed up in my backyard looking at me through the back window. Just to get into a story, this was one that um, I had last year a gentleman tell me. Him and his son go out hunting. And it actually was his first time taking his son hunting. And he was, like, super excited. This man did not expect to shoot a thing. He wasn't even really prepared to shoot a thing. Like, he was just like, me and my son going to go hang out in the woods. Something that me and my sons will never do. I don't even understand the pleasure of it. But people do it. That's what him and his son were going to do. They go out to the woods. They get into this little hunting blind where they're together. His son has the rifle. And he starts digging for beef jerky in his backpack, right? They have been there about 30 minutes. He's digging around trying to get beef jerky not paying attention at all to what his son is doing. His dad says, his son says, dad, there's a deer. And the son, you know, pulls the hammer back on a rifle, getting ready to shoot. And before the dad can actually get himself situated to look and see what's going on, his son is firing a shot. Bang. Right. But when the dad looks up, it ain't no deer that's running. Dad says, Hey dog, this wasn't no deer. I don't even know how he thought this was a deer. This looked like a gigantic freaking wolf, a gigantic black wolf running on all fours. I'm like, okay, explain to me gigantic. What does gigantic mean to you? Because words have different meanings to people and they have different interpretations. I'm like, tell me, describe gigantic. He said, well, you know, I've seen um, wolves on, you know, TV and on, on shows that may be, you know, 250, 300 pounds. He's like, this, mm, 500 maybe 600 pounds looked like it was and i said what really you that big and he's like yeah i mean this thing was big he said i think there really was a deer there because i kind of saw the brush rustling off to the left like something else was rushing running through the brush he said but this thing stops stands up so you can imagine going from all fours literally stands up like a human being turns and looks at them and I said, well, man, what went through your mind when you experienced, when you saw this? Because these are the questions that I asked to get to the bottom of it. And he said, to be honest with you, 
my mind wasn't working. And I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, man, my mind wasn't working. My eyes were just locked on a creature that was on all fours and stood up. And I said, well, describe how it looked. He said, man, it looked like a freaking werewolf. I'm like, you know, like a, you know, where American werewolf and London werewolf, you know, like, cause I'm trying to give him images and feed into his story to see what he gives back to me. So I'm feeding him things to see if he just regurgitates something. Right. To be like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Right. No, he spazzes out. He was like, this ain't like nothing you've seen on TV. And he was like, this is when it stood up, it was about seven and a half feet tall. And he goes into this description. He was like, the chest had, and he, I mean, literally, he's like, the chest had sparse black hair, and you could see this pink skin with these dots on it, like you would see on the belly of a dog. He said, but there was muscle mass there. And he was like, and as it stood up, he's like, it kind of rolled his shoulders back and twitched kind of left and right, like, right, like it was readjusting his body. He's like, I thought I heard clicking sounds, but I couldn't tell because we were a little bit far away. He said, but, it wasn't like it just hopped straight up. He was like, it was, it did it with strain and effort. It took effort for this thing to stand up. He said, and then it squared his shoulders and it looked at us. And he said, my son started crying. He's like, my son just started bawling out crying and screaming. And I was like, well, what did you guys do? He said, man, I grabbed him. I grabbed the backpack. I grabbed the rifle and I had literally had him in my left, like in my left arm holding him. And I start running, pointing the rifle at this thing just in case it starts chasing after us. It just watched us run off. And I'm like, okay. He says he gets back home at night, same night, gets back home. He's in the bed with his wife, tells his wife what he saw. She's like, I don't really believe you. And it's amazing how the in these conversations, you end up talking to both people in the encounters. I end up talking to the husband, the wife, and you end up talking to everybody in the household. Because that's how I know it's a true encounter because it affects the entire household. So I ended up talking to the wife and she's like, well, doc, you know, I really didn't believe what he was saying until later that night. So him and his wife are in the bed later that night. The son comes running into the room. He says, doc, my son literally jumps from my bedroom door, flies through the air about six and a half feet, lands in my bed, starts crawling up the bed and gets under the cover with us. And he's like, daddy that monster's outside and so the dad had just saw this and he's like taking it serious because he knew what he saw so he goes and grabs a shotgun he starts going circling back out of his bedroom towards the back den of their house and their back den has these uh these double you know the sliding glass door like you're in an apartment complex those doors that slide open they have that little screen that slides with it that's how their back door is is this glass door so he has a shotgun. He's going towards the back of the house. He's looking through the glass door. He doesn't see anything. His wife comes out behind him, and he turns around to talk to her, puts his back to the door, and they're talking. Then her facial expression changes, and she has this look of panic and fear. And she's stuttering and stammering, and she's like, oh, look behind you. Turns around. This thing is standing in his backyard, bro. Standing in his backyard, looking into the house. Stands there, looks at him. And I said, man, well, what did you do? He said, I thought to myself, you know, this is not something that you can shoot. And if this thing wanted to come in my house, it would have came through my son's window or it would have came through that glass door. So he said, man, I didn't do anything. I just backed up and backed away from that window. And he said, I went and, and turned the lights off in the house. And I, I backed away to where I can see outside and turned the lights off to where I couldn't see inside. And then it went away. 
and it went over to the neighbor's house, ended up killing the neighbor's dog that night, but it went away. So um, that story goes to why you don't shoot at these creatures. And now just to paint the picture for you, the place that they hunted was about six to seven miles away from the house. So this thing tracked them seven miles to their house. Yeah, it wasn't messing around. And so is this, the stories that you've collected about these, is it one creature or is it a species of creature? Are there multiple dogmen out there? There's more than, definitely more than one type of dogmen. Um, more than one type, wow. More than one type, yeah. They, so there's, the stories that I've heard are about typically three to four. There's this black one that looks like a timber wolf. Like literally if you imagine a black timber wolf, it looks like a black timber wolf. Um, then there's one that looks like a German shepherd. You know how German shepherds have those real big spades, like their ears shoot straight up off the top of their head? Mm-hmm. Um, one that looks like that is pretty skinny, it's pretty slim, but it tends to be tall. Then the the worst one, really, and I call this one a crypto terrorist, the worst one is this, I, I don't know if it's Bigfoot or if it's Dogman, but everybody I've talked to describes it as this. You take the biggest Bigfoot you can find, and the dog man typically has these reverse legs with these kind of hocks where it's like a dog standing on his back legs. Mm-hmm. This is like a big foot body with regular knees, but with huge feet like a canine. This massive shoulders, biceps, long, extremely long arms, claws, and the head literally the size of a car tire. Like if you take your tire off your car, right, and you were to turn it to where it was, um, not where the flat face of the tire was facing forward but if you were to turn it long ways and sit it on top of your head that that length of that tire going you know front to back is how you know how long the head is and then if you were to take and you know make that tire a little bit wider than it naturally is add some ears on the very top that's how big the freaking head is now there was a guy who actually drew what he saw and sent it to me and um what and this guy actually just happened to be an artist. This was insane. I mean, it was scary. And the exact description of what he described, I mean, literally to the T of what he drew, I've had people explain it to me about nine times to having an encounter with this type of dog man. Mm. And it's the worst one. This is the one that um pure everybody who's encountered this thing is left with the feeling that it was wanting to kill them, it will be willing to kill them, and it would kill them if they did if they did anything to it. Every person that's encountered this particular version or type or whatever you want to call it, the people who've had the bad luck of encountering this thing have said, hey, man, that thing looked as if it wanted to kill me. It didn't, but it looked as if it wanted to. And it goes to, I always tell people, you know, we as human beings, we, we tend to put the personality traits, I guess the word, or the qualities onto these creatures that we think they should have. You know, as you know, how you impose things on something. Sure, right. You know, people say, oh, it's just an animal and it's just a canine. But you can't do that when you start talking about these cryptids because they give you massive evidence of their intelligence. You know, it, 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 huge evidence. So, for example, for it to follow him home and scare him and his family shows that not only is it, you know, has an incredible tracking ability, but it's vindictive. Right. In order to be vindictive or vengeful, you have to have a level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. People don't get that. 
It has to have some kind of sentience to know that what it was doing would be enough to to intimidate them. Exactly. And that's the point I've been trying to get across to people about this. Um, but people tend to be like, oh, it's just a creature. I'm like, okay, well, you go out in the woods and you mess with the creature and then you find out on your own. Because after hearing these stories from people, and it's not – and the majority of these people – and this is the crazy thing about Dogman. The majority of people who share the Dogman stories don't even want me to tell them. So you listen to some shows and they'll have Dogman story after Dogman story, interview after interview, where they're interviewing these people who want to tell the story. The majority of people don't want you to know their story. They, they just don't. I, I get confused how people can do it on a weekly basis, but and put out the story because the majority of the people I talk to don't want to don't want anybody to know because they're just that afraid. So it's one of those things where, you know, the majority of people just don't want it known. They just want to talk to somebody about it, and that's where the real information is about these creatures. It's behind the scenes because people just don't want to talk about it. Is is the dog man the weirdest thing that you've heard about, or has there been something that was even weirder and kind of harder for you to accept until you heard it maybe from multiple witnesses? The dog man is the, the was the hardest thing for me to accept. You know, it really was. Um, Understandably, because, yeah. because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're talking about an upright walking werewolf type creature that you know is supposed to be myth and legend it was the hardest thing for me to accept i accepted vampires in new orleans easier than i accepted dog man because i grew up in new orleans and there have always been these freaky weird people walking around in new orleans um and you could say like something's wrong with that dude he might be a vampire but um dog man was the hardest thing for me to accept the next thing that really bothers me you know and it bothers me from a self-defense perspective it really really kind of gets at me is these black eye kids Right. Because I tell people all the time, and I tell the Dark Waters family, I say, you know, some kids show up at my front door with black eyes. I might ventilate them. I might hit them. And I might shoot one of them. <laughs> and then, you know, how do I explain the fact that I shot a kid? You know what I'm saying? What would you do if, you know, a black eye kid showed up? Well, you guys might try and talk to it because y'all, y'all, I, y'all kind of. I've seen one and I've y'all, tried. Y'all do that kind of stuff. But I probably would shoot them, bro. I really would. I can't. I can't say that I blame you because they are freaky, uh, and and they're becoming more and more prevalent. I'm sure you're getting more stories now than ever because I don't know what it is, but I think talking about them and putting them out there in the in the public consciousness has kind of given them strength. You think that's what's going on? I, I don't know. Um, me personally, I get those those stories. They're kind of spotty when I get those stories. I don't get them on a regular basis. Now the ones I do get tend to be. Uh, crazy, but I don't get a whole bunch of them. You know, like if someone wants to go listen to my body of work, you may find, may out of you know maybe five hundred stories, you may find like fifteen black eyed kid stories. I know that um, when you look on YouTube, there are a lot of people talking about it, but I kind of use my calls that I get as like a sampling of, and it may not be accurate, a sampling of kind of paranormal activity. Um, what I know for a fact is on an uptick. Based on what I get, and I just reject it, I know for a fact demonic activity is on an uptick because I'm getting call after call after call that I'm rejecting about people that have demonic stuff. Something's going on with that. I can tell you that right now. Something's going on on the planet where that stuff is just it's amped up. You know, I don't know if it's end-time prophecy. I don't know what it is. Hopefully the world will last a lot longer because I got things I want to do, like I buy a house on a beach in Florida and hang out in a bikini. But... um not a bikini and swim trunks. Did you hear me just say bikini? Hey, and swim want, hey we don't judge. <laughs> to each their own. Whatever makes okay. you more comfortable. 
whatever. We want we want it, we want you to be comfortable with the end of the world coming, but in the man bikini. But you say I, mean, I don't want to dwell too much on the demonic because I know that you're not comfortable with it. But is it possible though that I mean, do you feel like these stories that you're getting that people are contacting you with are literally demonic entities, or is it possible that just people have become a little bit more accepting of the paranormal, so they're they're not as willing to share? The good stories, you know, when they feel like it could be a positive spirit or a loved one or even just some poltergeist activity, they're not worried about that. It's not until it turns dark and negative that they have to contact you. So it might not necessarily be demonic, but it might just be a bad experience for them. No, 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 no. You got to understand that I get calls on everything. I get I've gotten calls on angels helping people in the military while they were at war. I get calls on everything, but I get more calls on demonic things. And, you know, so this is what happens. Like, if you call my voicemail, be like, hey, this is Dark Waters. You know, leave me a message and I'll get back to you. And if you're one of those people that call me back to back to back to back to back to back to back again, I will never call you back, so don't call me, right? That's how my message sounds. And I'll, the person will leave a message, hey, Dark Waters, you know, um, I wanted to share an encounter with you, but I believe it may be demonic, so I don't know if you want to, if you want to do the story. And then when I check the voicemails, which are probably about eight or nine voicemails a day, you start hearing, hey, Dark Waters, and you hear demonic. Hey, Dark Waters, you hear demonic. And I'm like, it, it's all started over the past, I would say, six months, where it's just been more and more and more of those, you know, those those type of calls. So I, I think it's definitely an uptick. But I get, I get calls on everything. I get the feeling that you might be right, and you're, and you're feeling that it's trying to get your attention. So you're better off just kind of ignoring that. Uh, we, we only have a short amount of time left. Uh, before the end of the show. So I want to make sure that we get the information out there for people that want to hear all of your stories and, and, and the way that they can actually hear you on a regular basis. How, how can people do that? Well, go to IamDarkWaters.com. Um, thanks to YouTube being um, the biggest noobs and acting crazy. You know, I had to migrate a lot of my content off of YouTube because of their copyrights and all the rest of this foolishness. So IamDarkWaters.com is the place to go. That's the hub for all my content, especially the new content. Um, at that website, we're getting ready to start doing man-around-town interviews where people are walking around asking people in New Orleans about the paranormal. By early next year, we will be doing reenactments, actual full-scale reenactments oh, wow. of a lot of the stories. So you want to be at imdarkwaters.com. Now, if you want to just go through the entire journey, because what I've done really has been a journey for me, I would say go to YouTube. And start with the first video, and the very first video is going to be like a computer voice telling stories. But those are some of the best stories that I've ever had with the very first ones. Um, and you can listen to hours and hours and hours of content. And actually, you can get to that same content at the I Am Dark Waters page as well. So that's how you find me. You can you can call me if you want at 504-603-1630. Just don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning because <laughs> I might curse you out. But you can call me anytime and tell me a story. Um and, I, and then what I do is answer the phone and listen, and then we hold a conversation, and we probably end up being friends. Well, that sounds great sounds to awesome. me. Uh, and and I can tell you that uh, it, it takes a lot for because we hear a lot of this stuff. The, the the research that we do, and and I'm a researcher for a couple of TV shows. I hear a lot of people, you know, sharing their experiences, and so you get to the point where. Sometimes it kind of just washes over you and you say, okay, yep, all right, yep, all right. But the stuff that you've been telling me tonight is fascinating. So I'm so glad that we could bring uh, your stories and your storytelling ability to the Spooky South Coast audience. 
Before we go, though, I do want to ask you one thing because it's on everybody's mind right now. People are talking about it with the new It movie that is out, which, by the way, is great. I loved it. I loved it. I thought that they went a little bit off the book in some areas, but I was I was okay with what they were doing. I thought it was very well done. I will never watch. Have you had any really good creepy clown stories come your way? Yeah, actually, last year um, I told one around Halloween um, from these two guys, like straight thugs, man. These dudes is like hardcore thugs, and they had a creepy clown encounter. It wasn't really scary. It was more funny than anything, but they are in Mississippi, and they ended up stopping at this gas station. Uh, one of the guys is cool. His name is Caesar, and Caesar and I are still cool to this day. Him and his boy stop at a gas station, right? And it's late at night, um, and you know how you those kind of side-of-the-road gas stations, when you go to pay for the gas, they don't let you in? They have the bulletproof glass yep. and that sliding, sliding the door? Window, yep. Yeah, so Caesar's at the window sliding the money in and paying for... Um, paying for the the gas he turns around and walks back towards the car goes to pumping his gas his homeboy is in uh in the passenger the passenger seat chilling listening to music bobbing his head you know they're wilding out he's pumping the gas and for some reason he gets the feeling that somebody's behind him he looks behind him across the road and there's a cat coming out the woods dressed like a clown like literally dressed like a clown and so he's like, yo, what the hell's going on with this dude doing dressed up like a clown? What's this about? So he finished pumps in the gas, and the guy's moving slowly, trying to be scary and all the rest of the stuff. He pumps the gas, goes to get in the car, and the guy, was he's going to get in the car, the guy starts, now he starts running towards them. Well, his friend pops up out of the sunroof. These guys are really, they were dope boys. His friend pops up out of the sunroof with an AK-47 and starts shooting in the air. Oh, no. <laughs> And so the clown falls on the ground, rolls around, and then turns around and runs back into the woods. And when he first told me the story, I was like, dude, you lying to me, man. He's like, I swear on my mama, I'm not lying to you, bro. I'm not lying. I talked to this boy, and I said, man, why did you pull out the AK-47? He said, I wanted to see how bad the clown was. You know, he think he in a movie. I'm going to show him what it's about. And so clown turned around and ran off. But uh, <laughs> that's one of the creepy clown stories. Uh, I haven't had any new creepy clown stories i know that people are running around doing weird stuff like oh, yeah. tying red balloons to stuff like i wish somebody would tie a red balloon outside my house we're gonna have a problem um <laughs> it's going down in new orleans so um but yeah that's the only creepy clown story i have for you guys right now well that was a good one to end it on uh thank you so much for joining <laughs> us tonight and we definitely want to have you back on again this has been great uh, and, and I look forward to uh, checking out all of your stories. Again, imdarkwaters.com is the website in order to, to find out everything about Dark, to, to check out all the stories. Uh, subscribe there, follow along with them on social media, and, and definitely check out some of these stories because this is just the tip of the iceberg tonight, what you heard uh, in terms of what is out there. So thank you so much for joining us, and, and let's do it again. Let's hook up if we uh, end up in New Orleans next year. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, it's, we'll put it on the calendar. We're going to hang out. We're going to do a, a what I call a peaceful warrior night. You guys will end up drunk. You won't know what happened, but you'll wake up next day and be like, man, I had fun. I had a whole bunch of fun. That's that's all that matters. And we'll have, you know, real good pool boys instead of going to the tourist traps. I can't wait to go. Yeah. Awesome pool boys. I still uh, want to know where the pool boy is. I will tell you off the air. I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. All right. <laughs> Thank you, so Dark, for joining us. I know where the pool boy is. All right. All right. Good night, guys. All right. Take care. i got to go get this guy a sandwich. 
That is <laughs> that is Dark Waters. Again, IamDarkWaters.com is the website. Well, that was just a great episode. That was a great, great discussion. Uh, certainly look forward to doing it again in a couple of weeks. We'll be off next week for our Lizzie Borden event. Still some tickets available for that at SpookySouthCoast.com, as well as for our two new events that we just announced, including... Bridgewater Triangle, Mysterious Middleborough. So check that out as well if you are interested in coming out and joining us in some paranormal adventures over the course of the next couple of weeks. SpookySouthCoast.com has everything that you need except for pole boys. But we'll work on that too. We'll get those up there. Well, now we need to go. It's a must. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if even if we don't end up going with the group, we'll have to just make a trip down. We definitely need to. And for everybody that's new to the show tonight, thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking things out in the chat room. You can get our free Spooky South Coast app for Android or iPhone, and you can get all of our episodes, watch the show live as it takes place. We've done 500, over 500 episodes. They're all there. They're all free. So check them all out and join us in the fun each and every week. So until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Chris, for Ashley, for Stephanie, for Tim, 